Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Welcome to today's Irish Tech News Podcast. I'm here at Dublin Tech Summit with Lawrence Buchanan from Ernst Young. How's it going, Lawrence? Very good, thank you. So you're very big into digital space. So tell us a bit about what it means to be being digital rather than doing digital. I think today the the digital megatrend is impacting every single company of every shape and shape and size in every industry. And there are some sectors that have seen a huge amount of disruption. So if you take the, the media sector, the, yeah. the core product was digitized, the distribution model was digitized, they they are digital businesses now. Yeah. That hasn't yet happened in many, many other sectors. You know, the, the core value chain and fundamentals of, of the insurance industry, healthcare, life sciences industry have not yet been completely disrupted. But they will be. And and that's that 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 to me is the, the essence of a digital transformation is is how do you reinvent a company from top to bottom, its business model, its customer experience, its end-to-end operations to be fit for purpose in a in a digital age. Now, the, the, the challenge within that is uh, I kind of see companies doing, doing two things at the moment. On, on one hand, you've got companies I, I describe as doing digital, yeah. which is they're, they're spending money on digital, absolutely. Yeah. But what they're really doing is digitizing the front end of yesterday's business. Yeah. They're automating yesterday's business processes. That, in, that may carry some tangible benefits. So a, a channel shift to online for customer service or robotics in a, in a business process, you, you may get some benefit out of that, but it in no way um, reinvents the business for tomorrow. And, and to me, being digital is exactly that. It's about saying, it almost almost how does the word digital just go away? Yeah. Because the whole business is digital. It, it's business model, it's end-to-end operations, it, it's culture, it's it's way of innovating and driving scale. That that to me is the difference between the two. I guess you've got to try and basically ingrain yourself that we're now all in a different world and it's all online and digital is part of that. Yeah, exactly. The you know the, the digital world increasingly is is connecting with the physical world. And, and at some point, I, I think we'll just we'll stop talking about digital yeah. because ev- ev- everything will be connected. Whether that's my you know, my physical person with yeah. sensors in my contact lens, lens of pulling my stomach, checking my yeah. my stomach acidity, my my Fitbit doing way more than measuring just steps, but measuring yeah. my activity, stress levels, and so on and so on. To the, to the explosion of sensors in in every piece of physical equipment. Um, be it light bulbs, roads, cars, yeah. whatever, whatever it might be. So the, the, the two worlds were completely joined together. I guess like years ago, people thought that cloud didn't know what it was. Now cloud is so ingrained in ourselves, we don't talk about it anymore. It's it's like it's basically part of our lives. It's going to be the same way that soon we'll talk about it. It's part of our lives. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cloud is almost like a utility now. You know, turn on the tap yeah. and you get water. Yeah. Switch on the plug, you get electricity. You know, yeah. go, go to the cloud and you get storage and computing power and development platforms. Yeah. And digital is the same way. That soon you're not going to talk about it because it's there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You won't see it there because it's basically working behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's how, how we will live and work. Yeah. And also, what about you talk about, a bit about digital factories. How do they work? Well, I, th- I think there was a trend... Um, you know, maybe maybe five to seven years ago now, where where some companies responding to digital would go out and create digital innovation labs, yeah. and they typically do that outside the core operations of the company, and and often those labs would have 
all of the outward characteristics of a Silicon Valley tech company. Yeah. So you'd have beanbags and pool tables and, um, you know, posters on the wall saying think big, fail fast, yeah. and, and you'd build MVPs and all, all those wonderful things. The challenge is that when you took them back to the business, almost invariably, the business rejected them. And sometimes that was because they were cannibalizing to the way the business was running today. Yeah. Sometimes they were maybe not relevant because they were so radical and new. Sometimes they ran into barriers, real barriers like legal, regulatory, finance hurdles. So, you know, you've, you've built an MVP, but, but suddenly corporate counsel stands up and say, well, hang on, you, you haven't thought about data privacy compliance. Yeah. And our maximum exposure is 4% of global group turnover yeah. if we don't consider that. So, so, so for, for all of those reasons, I think too many labs um, had the freedom to experiment, which is great, but didn't industrialize. Yeah. So the, the term digital factory, firstly, has got no, nothing to do with applying digital technology yeah. into your manufacturing environment. That's, a, that's yeah. a completely different topic. It's really about how do you industrialize a digital transformation within a within a, a company. Um, to, to give you a, a couple of practical examples, so we, we work with a, a couple of a couple of organisations, actually particularly in the, when the travel industry and the chemicals industry yeah. and, the, and the cruise ship industry, and we've built them digital factories, uh, and, they, and these do a few things. Firstly, they they do have a degree of freedom and separation. Yeah. So people are taken out of their day jobs to full time work in the lab yeah. where they're given a mandate to experiment and, and be free but the second time they, 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 there is a real conscious effort to say it can't just be about disconnected disruptive innovation so, so how do we take the sparks of great ideas that could come from anywhere from our extended ecosystem turn them into MVPs usually following a design thinking process yeah. and rapid prototyping process get them into the hands of users Mm -hmm. to get real data yeah. that supports is this valid as a concept or not at that point then think how do we scale it so should we continue down this path and just build the technology ourselves should we go out and make an acquisition because that might be faster should we set up a joint venture should we pause it for a couple of years because the market's not ready what are all of the implications of those decisions how much capital do we need to raise? What are, what are the ripple-on consequences into our legal, tax, yeah. regulatory environments, our operating model, our people, our processes? And, and to me, a, a digital transformation, a digital factory is the engine of that change. Yeah. Where, where they work really well is where you have a core team and then you're constantly rotating people in and out from all across the business. Yeah. This cannot just be call them traditional digital people, service designers, yeah. creatives, software engineers, data scientists. It, it's got to be those people plus people from the business coming in yeah. as well. Even people from the back office functions like legal, tax, regulatory. Get get your lawyers in at the start yeah. of the design process. Why, why not? Well, I know the AT&T did this two years ago. They transformed the business and all the staff that were there said, we're not going to hire new staff, we're going to retrain you. And every year or so the staff moved, moved around different jobs yeah. and I figured the people who are there already know, know what ANTT does, how they work and it's easier to, 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 get that, to retrain them than bring somebody new in and, and show them the work so 
these guys go in and they, ret- they retrain every year yeah. but they're now 82 and through and the, and the board members trust these guys because they've worked for years because mm-hmm. go ahead go and do what you have to do yeah. talk to us we'll give you the freedom to do that yeah I, I think yeah, maybe maybe for too long people have thought about their response to digital as just let's hire some new perspectives yeah. And of course you need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, if you're a company in that's pre-disrupted. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, getting some digital expertise on your board. Yeah. Hiring some AI specialists or software engineers in, yeah. into your you know, IT function. Of course, you should do that. But that doesn't reinvent the company for tomorrow. No. Reinventing the company for tomorrow is is the whole company. Yeah. And and so you have to think about building the capability and the muscle memory within the company yeah. to be able to adapt and thrive in, in the world. And, that, and that's, you know, that's, that's just, I remember a program recently where we, we were working for a life sciences company and every, every time they built an MVP, they'd take it to their legal team, their legal team would stop it. Yeah. So you get to 95% proof of concept, the legal team stop it yeah. because they say you, you haven't properly thought through pharmacovigilance, yeah. for example. And so we said, well, it's really important that we get our lawyers at the start of this process yeah. at the design table. Let's create, I think of them as digital lawyers if yeah. you want, but they're well-versed in the new world of technology. They completely understand agile sprints. Yeah. You actually get a transformed perspective from, the, from your lawyers in that environment yeah. because they're not thinking, you've done this, it doesn't look right, I'm gonna stop it. Yeah. They're thinking, oh, we, we're thinking of moving in this area. How can we help you navigate yeah. the potential hurdles you're going to face? It's a very, very different way so of working. So suddenly you're told, you can't do it, we can pivot instead. So you pivot yeah. to, to a, you might say, that won't work because of this, but if you do it this way, it'll work. Exactly. And that can save you months, yeah. months of wasted effort. Yeah, I've seen companies that have actually gone through the long process of doing something, and then last minute, they're told legally it's not going to work. And mainly to do with data. Yeah. But if you suddenly at the beginning telling you basically what you can do with data and how, and how you can, and a way around it. Like yeah. right now with Facebook, for example, at the moment, that's stuff mm. that you're going to want to avoid what's going on with them. Mm. 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 So if at the beginning you're told, well, in five years' time, this might happen. So I'd advise you to do it this way so that you mm. won't face that problem. Yeah, I mean, look, the, I think one of the challenges that companies are facing right now is that almost every legal tax and regulatory system around the world was designed in a pre, pre-internet age. Yeah. Uh, and so to some extent, they are all going through the process of, of thinking, how, how do we change? What, what regulation do we need to change to, be, yeah. to make it fit for purpose in a, in a digital world? So you get, you get you know, the tax authorities looking at how do we, how do we tax the, the profits of tech giants. Yeah. You see, particularly in Europe, people looking at data privacy. And, yeah. and Europe has a, a very different attitude towards data privacy and, and our right to protect and own our own data yeah. than other jurisdictions around the world. So, so all of those things combined means actually it's never it's not a static environment. It, it's it's you can you can maybe look directionally where are things going, um, but it's also really important to have the agility to as you say to to pivot and change course as things change yeah. and not be caught with the consequences of just just completely missing something. Yeah, for example, if you have something years ago and there's a law that says how things are done by text but hasn't updated, so you, we're looking at, well, SMS is fine, what now if you're using WhatsApp or mm. other platforms for, for communication? And a law isn't meant for that. Yeah, if you can prepare yourself for a law come in for that, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly right. 
and 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 you know a lot of those things will come down to the, just the I suppose the agility of the business yeah. at, at every layer at the, at the people layer being agile enough to respond also at the technology layer if the if the architecture is microservices based and, and things are decoupled and easy yeah. to change so it's so a building in that way I, I often say di- digital transformation um, is not a project it's not something you do one off that has a start and a finish yeah. it, it's a continuum because things are going to be constantly changing and evolving. You know, t- today, a new technology can hit 50 million users in about 18 days. Yeah. That, that number has gone down and down and down. I'm, I'm sure the next one will be even faster. So on, on that basis, it, it, it's almost impossible to predict what, what changes are going to hit us yeah. next month, six months, 12 months' time. It, it's almost, I would say, more important to build a, a core competency around agility and be, the ability to kind of sense and respond fast, that, that's really apparent actually in, in an area like cyber. Yeah. Where you'd say now it's, yeah, it's impossible just to, to put a wall around the organization to predict every cyber attack that's coming yeah. and prevent it. Impossible. Yeah. You, you can't do that because the boundaries of the organization have gone way outside the brick wall. They're now in your extended ecosystem yeah. of customers, partners, suppliers the technologies that the cyber attackers are using, you know, whether it's a, a, an individual or whether it's state-sponsored, are, are evolving at phenomenally yeah. fast rate. You, you, most companies, no company can keep up with that. No. A, a breach is, is inevitable, but agility is such an important core I think if you bring in a BOID, a BOID policy in your company, that might help. <coughs> most won't do that because mm, mm, mm. They, their, their staff are, are used to having their own phones with them and everything else. Yep. Or, or laptops with them. So, how do you go and change, change that mentality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and the, yeah, the other interesting thing is it's it's all of the operational technology as well. Yeah. It's you know, as a famous example of one of the auto companies that that um, introduced a, a service diagnostic connection yeah. so that their the engineers could connect to the car and find out you know diagnose problems in the engine. A third-party software company built an app on yeah. top of that that was a pay-as-you-go driving yeah. insurance app. No relationship to the OEM yeah. at all. Cyber attackers through that app could apply the brakes of the car. So, so suddenly you think, well, this if, if you were the OEM, you'd be sitting there thinking, well, hang on, I, I had zero control over this. Yeah, is, that the one to do with, zero. is that the one to do with the Jeep? I, I can't remember. There's the, one in the America, OEM, it was a few years ago, they did this conference called the DEFCON one. It's held every every August, and mm-hmm. somebody hides out how they can hide every G Cherokee by using that technology. Yeah, and they were showing we can hijack this and we can control the brakes and everything else. So in other words, yeah. if yeah. you've somebody who has his vehicles, it's easy to basically take control of it and, and use it as a as yeah. a new way of terrorism or anything else or a new yeah, way of extorting money. It's frightening. It's frightening, and it, and it's you know really anything that is connected can be the weakest connected entry yeah. point into your enterprise. The worst thing is if you got somebody who's got software, say that's like software that's in your business and it's so old, but you got to use an old machine to work because it won't work on modern OSs. Yeah. And it's still looking yep. to network. Yep. That's that's you're in. Yeah. And how do you how do you, how do you, you can't get around that to solve yeah. that? Yeah, unless you unless you mandate the change in your foundational IT. Yeah. You know, someone like the um, the you look at the Estonian government. Yeah. 
yeah, which has probably got to be one of the leaders in digital government around the world. Yeah. Phenomenal, you know, phenomenal success story. They, but they have policies in place. They, I think I'm right in saying no, no application can be older than eight years. Yeah. They, they mandate the change. Yeah, I'd say if you've got a, 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 a software that's that old, use a virtual machine if you can do, and that way you can mitigate mm-hmm. anything gone, gone wrong. Mm-hmm. But most people don't actually want to even think of that. They just think, well, basically, we'll keep the machine. I know one company, one is a Windows 95 machine in an office somewhere. Yeah. In fact, in the middle of nowhere, and they got hacked, and it, yeah. it came through that. And no one thought of checking that machine. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why is it still on the network? It shouldn't be. If you want mm-hmm. to access it, mm-hmm. have it offline so yeah. that you can't breathe in the outside world. Yeah. And, of course, people don't think about that. Yeah, yeah exactly right. They're happy to just go with, basically, oh, well, no one's going to go near that. I don't even think about it. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, the mentality is, should almost be the, the fire is inevitable. Yeah. How could you contain it and how you put it out and how will you respond? Yeah. It, respond in every way, technically, but also, you know, from a, a public communications point of view as well. That's, that defines yeah. a company's success. Well, to me, education, you've got to let the people know. Everyone in the company has to know top to bottom. From the board members right down to the sales guys, basically, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, we could be affected. So watch out for what you're doing and make sure that when you use digital software and hardware, yeah. What what things you should or shouldn't do? Yeah, exactly. And at the moment, that's not done enough in companies. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, basically there's no uh, list or manifesto yeah. of how we do things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. That's great. Thanks so much for that. Okay. No uh, and uh, have a have a great day, Lawrence. And thanks very much for that. Thanks for your time. Thanks you. Thank